I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. And if you're in no contact, focused on personal growth, my workbook series, The Knowledge, will help you make changes like you've never made before. Available now at AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking about staying with someone who's wrong for you. Yes. So many times we'll find ourselves in a situation or in a relationship that really doesn't work well for us. We love somebody or we think we love somebody and we stay in a relationship where we're constantly mistreated, yep. um, undervalued, undervalued, feeling like we're not a person at all, or sort of like this other person has taken over our being, our decision making, our tastes about things, everything. And we stay in something that doesn't make us feel good. Right. A lot of times we're just stressed out, unhappy, uh, obsessing over why it's not working. Right. And so today, Margaret is going to be talking about this and explaining what's really going on here. Right. Because there's something going on that's deeper than what I think a lot of people oh, realize. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, you hear all the questions, why do abused women stay with the men who abuse them? Why mm -hmm. does this one do that? And why don't they just leave? And we talked recently about, it's called codependency. That's really the clinical term for it. And it means that you get so dependent on someone, you, you, you lose your own identity. And it's generally chalked up to feeling like you didn't have a strong identity and to recover from it you have to in some way separate from this person whether it's totally or whether it's emotionally and begin to understand your own identity and who you are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk today about the darker form of codependency um, which is called the Stockholm Syndrome. Okay, now many of you may have heard about the Stockholm Syndrome, some of you may not have. So I'm going to read you a little story about what happened in Stockholm that day. Okay. All right. This is going to be helpful yep. to a lot of you. Yeah, it's, it's heavy stuff, but you'll manage, you'll do good. All right, the Stockholm Syndrome. In 1973, a bank robbery occurred in Stockholm, Sweden in which hostages were taken and a robbery occurred. Okay, um, The hostages were taken as a way to force the authorities to free some prisoners. Now these were people who were fighting some sort of noble revolution, they said. The hostage takers were threatening and abusive to the hostages. There were, however, also moments when they performed little acts of kindness for the hostages. And they presented themselves as having a noble cause. A noble cause gets a lot of people a lot of mileage. We're not doing this for ourselves, we're doing this to get our fellow prisoners freed and we were all going to do something that was going to make Sweden better. Okay, so we're noble. Um, yet they were also clear that they would kill the hostages if forced to do so by the authorities. You got that? So these people have the power of life and death over the hostages, okay? They're armed, of course. 
It was a five and a half day siege with the hostages and the bank tellers who were taken hostage holed up in the bank vault. Mm -hmm. Now think about spending five days at a bank vault with people who could kill you at any moment and have said they might. Well, hey, if we have to, we have to. Yeah, right. Yeah. Won't be our fault. We're noble. Remember? Yeah. Um, it's their, the authorities are going to push us into this. No, yeah, we don't want right. to do it. Won't be our fault. No, we don't want to do it. Um, <clears throat> that the captors capitulated was not a surprise. However, what astounded everyone was the obvious and total cooperation of the hostages. The deep caring the hostages felt for their captors. And the hostages' rage and contempt for the people who rescued them. Think about that. Think about the, that. The hostages' rage and contempt for the people that rescued them. Right. Don't take us away from our nice captors, they said. Um, Unbelievable. When arrested, the captors left the bank with hugs and kisses and with promises of support, loyalty, and care from the hostages. The captors created the right chemistry of loving care alternated with violence, threats, and degrading behavior. Now there wow. is a magic recipe of alternating loving care mixed with violence, threats, and degrading behavior. After serving 10-year prison terms, both hostage takers married women hostages from the bank. They were in jail for 10 years, right? The women waited for them. And then they married when they got out. Unbelievable. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, <clears throat> these women knew these men less than a week, but were willing on the basis of their hostage experience to wait for a decade to commit for a lifetime. All of this was celebrated in a double ceremony attended by many of the fellow hostages. Unbelievable. Even the other hostages right. went to the ceremony. Right. Uh, it does. It absolutely boggles the mind. Um, the abuse literature is filled with examples of ongoing abuse followed by profound loyalty extending years and decades. There are two interesting characteristics to remember about trauma bonds. They can be formed almost instantaneously, but they can last forever. So what we're really talking about here is trauma bonding. And um, this is the most striking example people have ever had. And it's now a well-known concept, certainly for police. Um, and you see the same thing happen when somebody gets kidnapped for whatever reason, and then eventually end up um, identifying with the people who did it to them. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're old enough to remember Patty Hearst, and you may not, many people out there no longer are, Patty Hearst was a young, wealthy woman who was the daughter of, I forget who, but he owned several newspapers. He was a very famous guy, a very famous family. And Patty Hearst was captured in the wild late 60s or early 70s by an outfit called the Symbionese Liberation Army and they were somehow going to bring more freedom to oppressed Americans. She was kept in a closet for months on end, kept in the dark, fed only intermittently, etc. And the next thing you know, she shows up on a bank video saying that she's named Tanya with a machine gun 
and she is robbing the bank with the Symbionese Liberation Army. Okay? Wow. So she ended up identifying with the captive takers. This can happen on a slightly less grand scale in relationships. And some of the people who are most skilled at it, you probably will not be startled to hear, are pimps who can abuse women in every way that women can be abused, but end up at other times being kind, caring, giving them a place to live, giving them the drugs they've gotten them addicted to, and the women have an incredible loyalty to them. So there seems to be a magic formula out there known to abusive men and obviously uh, hostages from the bank, okay? Now that's a heavy duty reason why people will stay in a relationship, but sometimes they will. And here's the most believable explanation that I've heard. And if you look at the Stockholm situation, these guys had threatened out loud to kill the hostages if they had to. Wow. Okay? So the hostages end up with the power of life and death, you know, in the hands of the captors. And so after a while, the hostages begin to feel like the captors let them live. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Patty Hearst ended up feeling the same way, that the Symbionese Liberation Army, who had had total control over her for months, had let her live. And it's a very powerful concept. And it's one of the factors in domestic violence. We are just beginning to fully understand that what we're learning about narcissism and what we now know about trauma bonding um, also exists in women who stay with people who abuse them sometimes for years. Yeah. Okay? This person becomes all-powerful. It has come up again and been talked about again in the literature recently around human trafficking because when people try to reach out to women who are being trafficked, often the women will fight them, fight them off, and try and protect the pimp who is, you know, running their lives. So that's the reason why it's being talked about again, um, even though the concept has been around for a long time. So that's the more sinister form of what looks like codependence and why people can't leave other people. So should I let you just... just Digest this for a minute. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? It really is. But haven't you heard people say, well, why don't abused women just leave? Why wouldn't people who've been, you know, part of human trafficking run away as fast as they can? It's because they feel that this person has the power of life and death over them. Wow. Okay? Incredible stuff. Yeah. And we keep seeing it in uh, kidnapping cases. So codependence has kind of been looked at, I won't say as a benign state of affairs, and the substance abuse people have done a great, a great job of getting people treated for codependence, but it's much more profound, I think, than it may appear at first glance. It's not that these people are just attached to these people who are mean to them. There are many more profound psychological issues going on there. Now, is there any good research on what is the best way to detach from some kind of unhealthy relationship well, like that? Well, the, the first thing to do is to break the isolation. And one of the famous and most obvious tricks of a domestic violence situation 
is the the abuser will isolate the victim. Yeah. Doesn't want them to make phone calls, won't sure. allow them to have contact with their family. So the first step out of it is to communicate with the outside world. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's number one. Um, and of course, if you isolate somebody and then you verbally abuse them all the time, you know, nobody else will ever want you, you're ugly, you're stupid, you don't even clean the house right, um, you're making the kids crazy, on and on and on, and you have no place to check that out, you start to believe it. Yeah. So isolation is one of the first maneuvers, sure. and that's the first thing you want to break. And I'm reading to you from uh, a book called The Betrayal Bond by Patrick Carnes. Nobody knows this better than Patrick Carnes. Um, and he has written about it beautifully in this book that I'm quoting him. Um, but it comes up all the time. And whenever you say to yourself, why am I staying in a relationship where I've been abused, sometimes for years, then you need to take another hard look at why. Okay? Does this person still have power over me? Do I think this person still has power over me? Am I still hoping that this person will change? Because if they've done this to you for years, chances are they're not going to change, unfortunately. Yeah. All right? So, once somebody reaches out to other people and no longer is isolated, right? is there any particular then therapy? They can be, then they can begin a healing process. Um, I always recommend trauma therapists because people who find themselves in this position usually have a trauma history. And usually, now, I mean, the hostages didn't do anything to choose the situation they ended up in. Yeah. And it's very important to understand that, that perfectly healthy people can have, them happen, have it happen to them. Yeah. But if you grew up in a traumatic situation, you're even more vulnerable. Mm. Because you may be used to, to being used and you couldn't do anything except put up with it, so you learn how to do that. But if you find yourself asking yourself, why am I staying with this person? Then one of the first things to do is to see if you can find a group for codependence and you all you have to do is contact Alcoholics Anonymous or um, or Naranon, Narcotics Anonymous and they always have ongoing groups for codependence and that's a wonderful place to begin because then you've totally broken the isolation and the minute you start to talk and hear other people's experiences um, that's the way to begin all right Margaret has a lot of experience with trauma. I do. Um, I've worked with it ever since I began in this business. Um, so she would be a great asset yep. to do a coaching with too. Right. right. Um, but codependence and staying with people who are not good to you is a big red flag. I hope for the person who's in it and for the people around them. And, you know, if you find yourself justifying the, the behavior of your partner and... Or you know, maybe hiding it. Or hiding it, right. He had a rough time in his life and he gets really grumpy sometimes. It's not really his fault. He's and, stressed out. Yeah, he's stressed out. That's he goes to work every day. He's a good provider. Yeah, he's stressed out. Yeah, That's the one I hear yeah, a lot. Yeah, stressed out. Um, he's a good provider. Of course, he yells and screams at everybody when he comes home. Yeah. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So reach out to somebody if you're in that situation. Okay. Okay. Very helpful stuff. Yeah. Very ugly stuff too. Yeah. So, but better that you should know than not. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, hopefully you found this helpful. Uh, of course, if you want to get our help personally, just go to my website, AskCraig.net. Sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching and I do Skype. 
Margaret is also available for Skype coaching. Absolutely. I'd love to talk with you. All you have to do is click on Margaret on the top of the website to do that. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. That's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.